0: I've been uh, been on eight different mission trips to that country uh, over the past 10 years, 11 years, Um, spent a lot of time texting, emailing, instant messaging, talking to several friends in that area, and uh, it's, it's tragic what's occurring. Uh, families being ripped apart, fathers having to send their wives and children on to other countries, not knowing if they'll ever see them again, walking out of your home, knowing, not knowing that you may ever return or not, leaving with just a few of your own personal items and the clothes on your back. So I implore you to, to pray, pray for these people. And uh, I have a song I'd like to share this morning, if I can, if I can get through it. And when we started this morning, I couldn't have help but think about all the Sunday mornings that I've been in worship in different churches across Ukraine. And I can hear them singing those songs in their native tongue. And so it breaks my heart. So let's pray this morning. Father, we can't help but begin this day and think about those on the other side of the world in Ukraine. We go to bed with heavy hearts and minds running rampant. On their current situation. We wake in the middle of the night. In the morning and wonder. What's happened through their day. While we've been sleeping. We look at social media. To find the latest news. And our hearts continue to be heavy. and And yet hopeful God. That you have continued to shelter them. And hold them strong in your hand. Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy those of us who have lived long enough to know that life can change in a heartbeat, in a fleeting moment, in the twinkling of an eye. We've experienced the heartaches, the fleeting moments, and certainly the twinkling of an eye that brings forever change to our fragile world. God, you are not surprised by you didn't promise us peace and an easy-going life. Our comfort too often lulls us into thinking everything is fine and our momentary struggles seem as nothing compared to what we see now across the world. Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy. As your people gather today, Father, Many will have Ukraine and the world on their minds. Let us be sensitive to them and point them to the saving power of Jesus Christ, for this is our only hope. The psalmist said, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, and today too often we trust in our own power and our military's might, and maybe even our own guns and resources. These are fleeting, these are worthless. Remind us today and teach us once again to place our trust in the name of the Lord. For you, O God, are our only shield and our defender. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. I lift up those who will Stand and proclaim Christ today, my brother's leading worship today. I pray for all who will play instruments and sing, congregations that will sing out with strong voices as we have today. I pray for those who will preach the word. Pray for our pastor today. Those that tell of the saving gospel Jesus Christ. Lord, come and dwell in our midst. Come and take your place among us as we worship and exalt your name. Help us to worship you, Father, today. We pray for our brothers and sisters on the European continent. Those who are sacrificing much to help others in this war. I pray for churches who have opened their doors and given refuge to those who have nowhere to go. Through this, may those who have said no to the invitation of Christ open their hearts and accept the love that is freely given. As we lift up those who bear witness to your name through their actions, Father, we pray also for your power to be upon those who are defending their home country against those who wish to take it from them. Give them strength. Give them might. Give them courage. Father, only you can turn their hearts from evil and change it for good. We pray for your intervention in this whole situation. Be swift and strong, Lord. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. And even in the midst of all this, Lord Jesus, quickly come. Return and take your people home. We pray this in your son's name. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: The call from heaven's portals. Come home, my child. It's the last mile.
2: ministry had to the Ukraine with the Texas country boys and the singing men of Texas. And because of his involvement there, our church has been able to be a part of seeing thousands and thousands of people come to faith in Christ in the Ukraine. And so this is a very um, dear situation to us, a very personal situation for our church, and um, we feel that together as God's people. And so I celebrate Steve's heart, and I celebrate um, what he does for us. I also want to celebrate Philip Keltner being in that choir this morning. That does not go unnoticed, brother, and um, that's exciting for us. Amen. Amen. Well, we have had a meaningful time together in recent weeks as we have been walking through the Old Testament. You know that this has really been something the Lord is calling me to, to take us on this journey as we focus on these high points, these big moments in Old Testament history, and at the same time also embracing these historic Old Testament figures. And we've already had the chance to walk a little bit with David. We've had the chance to walk a little bit with Elijah. And this morning, we're going to turn our attention toward Moses. Now, before we get to the serious side of Moses, I'm not sure if you're aware, but there are some really good Moses jokes out there. Um, And you might be aware of some of these. There are multiple good ones, but I've chosen two for you today that I think you can carry with you this week. Many of you say, Pastor, give us a good joke that we can tell later on, and here here are going to be two. Now, George W. Bush was getting off of Air Force One in the nation of Israel, and as he got off Air Force One, he walked right by Moses, who didn't seem to acknowledge him at all. And so he turns to Moses and says, Hey, I'm George W. Bush, the president of the United States of America, the most powerful nation on earth. Why didn't you greet me, Moses? And Moses said this, The last time I spoke to a bush, I wandered in the desert for over 40 years, right? And then the second joke, this is very simple. It's always been one of my favorites. How does Moses make coffee? Very simply, he brews it. Okay, all right. Let's go ahead and move on this morning. Um, that's the that's the funny side of things, or at least the attempt to be funny. But but now the serious side. Moses is one of the most interesting characters in all the Bible. And I think one of the reasons that we say that is because we find Moses so relatable to us because Moses was a man who was called by God, a man who was gifted by God, yet he was reluctant to serve God. And how many of us would say today, you know what, I have felt that same way at times in my life. So this morning we're going to be talking about how God called Moses but also we're going to be identifying the truth that God also calls us to specific and special ministry in and through the church. So take your Bibles this morning and let's go to the Old Testament book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Let's go ahead and stand together as we honor the reading of God's word in our presence today. We're going to start off with the classic Moses and the burning bush. Exodus chapter 3, we'll start with verses 1 through 6. Let me get my glasses on. I'm getting to the point where it's really hard for me to see this text. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, he said, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Today, my prayer has, this week, my prayer has been this. That as we study God's Word today, that we would recognize that in this moment, we indeed also stand on holy ground in the presence of Almighty God. Amen? Be seated. So God appears to Moses, and He appears to Moses in what we call in theology as a theophany. Uh, The word theophany means a visible manifestation of the invisible God, and God was not a fire. Let's lay that out this morning. God was not a fire, but he was in the fire, and he was using the fire. You see, fire was one of the theophanies that God employed. So Moses is walking along, tending the sheep, right? We'll talk about this quite a bit today. And he sees this bush and it's burning. And the amazing thing is it doesn't burn up. How many of you have seen wood on fire, right? All of us, right? And when we see a bush or a a log or or a branch, whatever it is, when it's on fire, it's being burnt up. But with Moses, it was totally different. The bush was not burning up. It's the only time in the Bible God ever used a burning bush to talk to anybody. And here's the deal. Let's start with this. Don't you know that Moses had a decision to make in that moment? Was he going to go over there? Was he going to investigate? Or was he going to just keep on going his merry way? Was he going to listen and do what God was calling him to do? Or was he going to do what he wanted to do? For the rest of his life. Folks, I I ask those questions because I really believe those are the questions God wants to ask us today. Will you, will we stop and listen to God? Will we even hear his voice? Will we pause and go investigate what God has for us or will we just keep going on our merry way? If Moses had turned away from the burning bush, if Moses had said, hey, forget it, I'm not going to investigate, I have things to do, Moses would have died in obscurity. But because he was willing to go, because he was willing to listen for God to speak, he's one of the greatest heroes of our faith. And here's what I think this morning. I think that some of us who are going to hear this sermon today are in a crossroads of life. We're in the exact same position that Moses found himself in. You see, we know that God is doing something. We know that God wants to do something. We know he wants to talk to us. But 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 the, the issue is we have all these other things pulling at us. Maybe it's our job and we just don't have time. Maybe it's our friends that we've established ourselves with. Maybe it's a future that we have in mind. Maybe it's a retirement and all these things we plan, planned. Maybe it's some promotion in life and we have to ask ourselves, will we choose God or will we choose these things that are on our calendar? So look at Moses again. He stopped, didn't he? He listened and he took off his sandals. You see, Moses understood, and I love this about him. He understood wherever God is, then that is holy ground. And today it's why I said what I said earlier. The the ground that we stand on this morning, it's what? It's holy ground. We should never strut into the presence of a holy almighty God. We should always approach this place and this time in worship and Bible study in the presence of God. We ought to always approach it with humility and brokenness. When Moses humbly stopped and listened, God said something. He said, Moses, I have a job for you. Friend, today, if you'll stop and listen for God, you know what he's going to say? The same thing. He's going to say, I have a job for you. I still have a job for you. I have a new job. For you. So God appeared to Moses. Second, God anoints, excuse me, he appoints Moses. And he appointed him for a specific job. Let's get into it and let's keep reading now in verse seven. Exodus three, verse seven. We continue on with the story today. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, he said, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So, so God appoints Moses, right, to be his representative. But the thing that I want us to see today is this, is that it's God who's going to do all the work. And Moses misunderstands that, and we do too. God's the one who's concerned. I want us to look at several things that God says right here. I believe with all my heart, when God uses first-person pronouns, when we hear God say, I, and what follows, we ought to pay careful attention. And here's what he says in our text today. He says, I have seen the misery of my people. Let's stop for a moment. Have you ever been in misery? We think we have, right? We feel like we've been in misery... Have you ever been hurting and struggling so broken hearted that you want to cry out? Does anybody even really know or care? Right? Does anybody even see my pain? I love this statement that God gives because it's a reminder to us. It's an assurance to us that God always sees. There's never a moment... That we are in suffering that God does not see. You're never alone. God's aware of your suffering. The second thing God says is this. I'm concerned about their suffering. Do you see that in the text? And I think that's important because anybody can be aware, right? I can be aware that you're suffering. The issue is, do I care about your suffering? Am I concerned about it? God says, not only do I know you're suffering, no, I care that you're suffering. Look at the third thing God says. I'm going to come down and I'm going to rescue you. We see that in verse number eight. And and this is the thing that Moses missed somehow. Because from the very start, God says, Moses, I'm going to do all the work. All I need for you to do is simply be the vessel. I'm going to rescue them. And when God says all that, it leads us to go to verse number 10. Key words right here. He says, so now go. The key word, I think, in this entire little segment of scripture is the word now. So now go. You see, there had to be an intersection of two very important factors for the now to take place. God was waiting, wasn't he, for the right time for the prayers and cries of the people in bondage in Egypt to arise to a certain point. He was also waiting for Moses to get to that certain point in his life. And when those two points crossed, it's then that God says, now it's time, Moses, for you to go. You see, God not only tells us what to do, he tells us when to do it. And here's an important thing for us to learn today. With God, timing is more important than time. Timing is more important than time. God appears to Moses. God appoints Moses in the right time. And that leads us now to the third thing that I want to discuss. Not only does God appear, not only does he appoint But God answers Moses' objections. And when we get to this point, it's where we really relate with Moses. Like I said earlier, it's why we like him so much. Because Moses is not like Isaiah. Do you remember Isaiah's story? I mean, Isaiah is like some sort of little first grader who knows the answer in class. Here I am, Lord, send me, send me. I'm the one, let's go, right? But Moses wasn't like that. Moses is reluctant. He has excuses. How many of you have ever given God an excuse? I've given God a million excuses. I'll bet you have too. And Moses is just like us. Let's look at some of the excuses that God give, that Moses gives to God, and then let's examine God's replies. This is the heart of the message today. Uh, first of all, Moses' first excuse... I'm unworthy. And God's response is, don't worry, I'll be with you. Let's go to verse 11 and 12. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God says very plainly, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. So, so let's overview Moses' life just for a moment to bring ourselves up to speed. I think Moses' life is divided into three 40-year periods. Now you know that Moses lived to be 120 years old, right? But his life, I think, can be divided into three 40-year segments, It all started on the banks of the Nile. That's when we first learn about Moses, isn't it? All Hebrew baby boys have been declared they're supposed to be killed, but Pharaoh's daughter goes out washing and his family has placed him in a pitch-covered basket, right? And the name Moses literally means out of the water. Did you know that? Out of the water, that's why he's named this, he was taken out of the water into the palace and there he grows up as a prince. The finest education, the most exquisite luxuries of the day, the best training available. But in the midst of all of this regal type environment, Moses' mom, who was selected to be his caregiver, she's telling him who he really is. So now he has a decision to make. Do I stick with the Pharaohs? Do I stay with the money, right? Do I stay with the luxuries, with the Egyptian culture? Or do I choose to go with my people, the Hebrews? So at the age of 40, that's the first segment. At the age of 40, he sees an Egyptian mistreating another Hebrew. And what does he do? He kills him. He goes out and he murders him. He tries to bury the body in the shifting sands of the desert, but because they are shifting sands, what happens? Well, the dead body is exposed, right? And now on every post office wall in all of Egypt, Moses is most wanted, isn't he? So he runs for his life. He goes to the desert of Midian. He starts a new life. In the desert, he spends how many years? 40 years tending dumb sheep. And when he's 80, something big happens. What happens when he's 80? We just read about it, the burning bush. Did you realize that? When Moses goes to the burning bush, he's 80 years old. Raise your hand if you're 80 or over. Raise your hand if you feel like you're 80 or older. All right, now we're good. Okay. So from 80 to 120, this is where we really have a disconnect From 80 to 120, Moses is tromping around in the desert, right? Leading the children of Israel to the promised land. And here's the application. God is calling everybody in this room, right, to some kind of ministry. Even if you're 80, (laughs) you're not retiring from the ministry, you're not moving on to, to, to put you out to pasture. No, God still has purpose for you. He's still calling you. And sometimes the first question that we say to God is, Wait a minute, God. Who am I? But I'm here to tell you that God knows who you are. And that's why He's choosing you. He knows your background. He knows where you've come from. He knows the the periods of life and segments of life that you've been through. Don't ever have the arrogance to say to God, who am I? Because God knows exactly what he's doing. And guess what? He's choosing you. First excuse, I'm unworthy. God's response, I'll be with you. Moses' second excuse. Exodus chapter 3, verse 13. This excuse is, I'm unsure. And God's response is, I am, I am. Let's look at it together. Verse 13 and 14. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? In other words, I'm unsure. And now God's response in verse 14, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So the question changes, right? Did you notice that? It's no longer who am I, but who are you? No longer who am I, but who are you? And God says, I am who I am. Raise your hand if you understand that. Have you always read that and thought, what in the world is God saying? I want to try to clarify for us today. The, the, the verb, the word in Hebrew is the most basic verb of being. Okay? So if I can, here's the most basic translation. I am the God who exists. I am the, the being God. I am the real God. I am the God who really exists, right? They had all these false gods, but God is saying, hey, I am the one. And it has all kinds of tenses in it. I've always been. I am being right now. I will always be. That's what God was saying. And do you remember Jesus saying the same thing in the New Testament? The I am statements of Jesus. I am the Messiah. I am the bread of life. I am the eternal one. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. What was Jesus telling us? He was identifying himself with God. God was telling us, I am the real one. So the first excuse is, I am unworthy. God says, hey, I'll be with you. The second excuse, I don't really know who you are. And God says, hey, I am who I am. We have the same excuses as Moses. Listen to the third one. His third excuse is, I am unprepared. And God's response is, what's in your hand? In other words, I don't have the right equipment. I'm unprepared to do what you're asking me to do. Let's go now to Exodus 4, verses 1 through 4. This is where we we see this play out before us today. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you. And then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? Right, A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. I like Moses right here because I don't like snakes either, amen? And then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord... The God of all their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. I want us to recognize some progression here. He starts off by saying it's just a stick. What is that in your hand? Staff. Just a stick. Look at verse 17 though. I want you to see what's happening here. All the way over to verse 17. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform miraculous signs with it. Now it's not a staff. It's this staff. Uh, The one that just became a snake and back into a staff again, right? And now go to verse 20. I love this. So Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey, and started back to Egypt. And he took what? The staff of God in his hand. So it goes from just being an old a staff to this staff to the staff of God. What happened? Folks, he surrendered to God what was in his hand. He gave it to him. So here's the question. What's in your hand? Well God, I'm not worthy and I'm, I don't even know who you are and, and now I'm unprepared. But God says I've given you all that you need, right? What's in your hand? What do you need to give to God? A relationship, a job, a lifestyle? A certain security that you think you're entitled to? Lay it before God. And if we don't lay it before God, guess what? Look into the text with me. One day it will bite us to death. If we don't lay it before God, one day it will bite us to death. So... Are you willing to lay down your staff before God and say, Here, God, I I lay it before you. Moses said, I'm unprepared. And God says, don't worry. I'll put my power into what you already have. Right? God's calling some of us in this room to some things. And he's asking today, hey, will you just lay it down before me and then I'll fill it up and use it in ways you cannot even imagine. Let's look at excuse number four. Excuse number four, God, I'm unable. God's response, who made your mouth? Let's go to Exodus 4, 10 and 11. Exodus 4, 10 and 11. Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave you? Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord, now go? I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. I've heard so many people over the years use this very excuse. I'm just not very good at that. I just really don't like speaking. In front of people. I'm just unable to talk. And, and God blows this out of the water right here. And here's what I've learned. And I think many of us know this, but when God calls you to do something, guess what? He's going to equip you to do it. God does not call the equipped. He equips the call. And if God's asking you to do something, guess what? He'll give you the energy to do it. He'll give you the creativity to do it. He'll give you the eloquence that you think you don't have to do it. He'll fill your mouth with words to say. I can't tell you the number of times in ministry that I've been witnessing or preaching, and I'll bet you have the same testimony, and it's like, wow, where did that come from? I mean, I'm talking to someone, and I'm like going, what in the world is happening here, right? But that's how God works. Sometimes I've actually said, am I saying this? But God's saying it. And that's how he works. God equips us to the task. Let's look at number five, the last one. Moses' excuse, I'm unwilling. And God's response is, what about your brother? So let's think about his excuses. Let's walk through them. I'm unworthy. I'm unsure. I'm unprepared. I'm unable, and finally right here, in my opinion, Moses finally is honest before God. He finally gets honest. The truth of the matter is, God, that I'm just unwilling. I just don't want to do it. I've been comfortable out here in the desert being a shepherd for 40 years, and let's look at verse number 13, because this is powerful. But Moses said, "Oh Lord, please send someone else. To do it. Please send someone else, somebody else to do it. Do you know the most popular member at First Baptist Church Corsicana? You know who it is? Somebody else. Oh, we love somebody else. They're our favorite. Because do you know who's going to teach students in the youth ministry? Say it. Somebody else. Do you know who's going to join Kathy upstairs on Wednesday nights when she can't find anybody to help her and cultivate? you know who it's going to be? Somebody else. We've been asking for weeks for somebody to drive the bus to bring people to church. We just need a simple person that can drive a car. Do you know who's going to do it? Somebody else. Who's going to pay off our building note? Only $130,000 to go. Somebody else will do it. That's what Moses said. Lord, send somebody else. Look at God's response in verse 14. And then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. I think we ought to stop and hear that. And then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And he said, what about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you, and his heart will be glad when he sees you. Folks, I think what that tells you today is that when God calls you to do something, he's going to send you allies. He's going to send you helpers. He's not going to ask you to do what he's asking you to do, right, all alone. What's God calling you to do? Not what What did God call you to do years ago. What, what's God calling you to do today? And then maybe a more important question, have you even asked him? God, what do you have for me now? Have you taken off your shoes and gotten in front of the burning bush and said, God, I'm listening. Would you tell me what it is that you have for me now? I've, I've told you this, but I, I always want to continue to tell you. I was 16 years old when I went to the Pisano Baptist encampment out near Alpine, Texas. I'd actually gone there year after year, and I was convinced at that time in my life that God actually lived at Paisano and waited for us to come back to camp the following summer. That's how real God was to me and us there. It was powerful what happened in my life as a teenager at camp. And when I was 16, I went to camp, and one evening after worship, God was just so powerfully moving on my life, I went out and I sat on a rock under the West Texas sky. If you've never been to that part of West Texas, it's really, really the edge of the Big Bend. You've never really seen a beautiful starlit night. No lights, just me and the stars and and God. And that night I heard God call me to serve him for a lifetime. And people have asked me this question, and I always answer this way. They said, Pastor, did you literally hear God's voice out loud? And I always say, no, it was a lot more clear than that. And God called me to serve him in ministry. And in the times that I get discouraged, in the times that I try to wander away, in the times I get weary, the one thing that always holds me and brings me back is a divine call from God. I've never forgotten it, and I'll never forget it. Now let me say this to you. That's not just for preachers. And I'm serious. It's not just for preachers. It's for all of us. You see, just as God has called me God's also calling you. And it may not be vocational ministry, okay? It may not be a a lifetime of service to God in this type role. But every person who follows Jesus Christ has a call in their life. And when God brings you to a church and he has you in a church... It's not so that you can church hop and search and try to find the church I like most. It's because God has called you to serve in that church for His glory. So, what is it that God is calling you to do? Will you stop? Will you listen? Will you take off your sandals? And get before the burning bush and then say, God, I hear you. And now I'm saying yes to you. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. God, help us not to make excuses. We've done it many times before, every one of us. And the excuses that we use are the exact ones that Moses used. We can even remember ourselves saying those exact same things to you. So I, I thank you today that we can see your response. And we can know, Lord, that, that you will equip us. You will surround us with others. Lord, that we have things in our hands right now, if we'll just simply lay them before you, you'll fill them with power and you'll use us. Lord, when we're 30 and 40 and and 50 and 60 and 70 and 80, Lord, we can march across deserts at, at 100 and 110 years old, Lord, because you have called us to do it. God, I thank you from the bottom of my heart that, that Lord, you want to use us in your kingdom's work. That we're not just here to stare off into heavenly space. Lord, and be and be in awe of something distant and powerful that's beyond us. But God, you actually personally come down and and, and you say, I want to use you. God, help us to hear your voice today. Help us to be embraced by you. Help us to say yes, Lord, to to, to venture out, to say, I'll drive and I'll teach and I'll do whatever it is that I can do. God, just tell me what you want me to do and I'll say yes. God, we get in front of that burning bush this morning and we see its glow And we feel its warmth. But we hear. And we're asking, Lord, what is it specifically that you have for us right now? Lord, whatever that is, help us to say yes today. And all God's people said, amen. Stand with me, please, church. God may have already placed it on your heart. You may know right now exactly what it is that God wants you to do. Some of you, my challenge and my request to you is take some time and go get in front of that burning bush and pray. But if God's called you, it's time to respond. How powerful it would be today if somebody walked down this aisle and said, you know, I know what God's calling me to do and I'm saying yes to it right now. I'm saying yes, I'm going to do blank. Because God's asked me to, and I've been given excuses, but I know this is it. And I'm going to say yes, I'm going to do this. You can come and share it with me. You can say, can I share this with the church? We'll share it. That's fine. It all starts with a relationship with God through his son, Jesus. If you've never received the Lord, would you receive him today? Maybe that's what God's saying. Hey, I want you to serve me, but you need to give me your life first. Come and be saved. Come and let that powerful blood of Christ that we sang about earlier. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Come and be saved today. Come and give your life to the Lord. Come and rededicate your life to Christ. Come and join this church If God's lay that on your heart. Say yes to him. This is a day full of yeses, right? Let's say yes to the Lord, whatever he's asking us to do. I'll be here at the front to receive you. You come.
1: Yeah. for me.